Good morning, evening, or night, everyone. Welcome back to Life on the Vine. I'm Jackson, and I'm here with Hutch. Hello, everyone. Welcome. And, yeah, and it's. Uh, I'm glad to be back in the Hannah C. Howard Recording Studio. Yeah, always fun. Always a joy to be here. Yeah, it's a little crowded today, isn't it? It is. It is just a, a titch crowder, crowdier, <laughs> more crowded than normal. We're off to, off to a good start. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, it's an exciting reason for me that it's crowded in here because we are being joined by our first in-person guests in the Hannesy Howard studio, I think since the beginning of COVID. Uh, no, Hannesy Howard donned our doors. Was that after COVID? That was after COVID. That was after COVID. That's yeah, right. But okay. you guys share a household, so that's true. Was, we were, we were I was shunned to the, the corner. Time. Yeah, <laughs> you were. Uh, well, I want to introduce uh, my parents. Ted and Jane Hutchinson, who are joining us today. So, uh, Mom and Dad, welcome. Welcome to Life on the Vine. Well, Thank thanks. Thank you. It's yeah, great. Yeah, good to be here. Great to be here. Yeah, yes. and and for Dad, it's a welcome back. We got to record a couple over Christmas break, and uh, but Mom, welcome for the first time. So Love it. Thank yeah, you. So glad to have you here. First time in the Hennessy Howard recording studio yes. as well. Yes, yeah. What would your first impressions be of the recording studio for our listeners out there awesome. we've tried to describe Absolutely it awesome yeah. <laughs> well, no, well no i have to say i was impressed by the persian carpet which obviously was in persia at some point <laughs> and the the coordinating burgundy wall which adds the color lifts off the carpet it's just mm. very elegant that was very intentional snaps for deep <laughs> <laughs> There's been a lot of thought that, that has gone into the aesthetic of this room. Yes. None of it's been implemented, but we've had a lot of thought. <laughs> That's true. I think you're on your way. Oh, man. Yeah. We keep saying we need a piece of art. Something yes. inspirational. Mm-hmm. Like I'll a, leave that one Like a Rembrandt yeah. or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There you go. See if we can get an original. If any of our listeners are, are have an original Rembrandt, <laughs> an original Rembrandt that they want to donate, be, uh, laying around somewhere, yeah, we would auction it off and I can bring some Campbell art and some we can Campbell art, yeah. Oh, yeah, we we have oodles of it and we I can't throw it away because she made it, so yeah. I don't know what to do with it. Bring it in here. Let's do it. Okay. So as as often happens, uh, none of this is the topic for today, but. We wanted to talk a little bit about relationships. Yeah. I think that that's a that sound good. good place to go. Yeah. yeah. So, Mom and Dad, you guys are, well, you've been in pastoral ministry for a long, long time, and you both are life coaches. You run a ministry out of uh, your home back in Edmonds, Washington, and you spend a lot of time with couples in various capacities, both individually and together so we thought we might just pick your brains yeah i think that that's pretty familiar to to dan because he's kind of been around it and knows what that's like but i would just ask you what what's that like what's kind of a day-to-day oh day-to-day is really connecting with people that i would say that is our passion and that's what drives us and that's what we love and sometimes it's individuals sometimes it's um, couples sometimes it's premarital most of it would be um, couples who have been married a while and are kids of various ages but we during COVID of course we've met with on Zoom we love meeting in person when we can Mm -hmm. And we also offer long weekends, which we call intensives, where people come for three nights, four days, and we really dig in. And that winds up being about the equivalent of six months of life coaching. Oh, wow. So you get a lot more in a short amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. So so I, I wonder what, as you think through the, the couples that you work with, are there any commonalities, central themes, whether it's related to challenges that couples face or things that 
people bring that they want to talk about, uh, or even in terms of advice or kind of the work that you do, but yeah, just any sort of general commonalities that that uh, that come up in those in that work and in, in those times together. I, I would say definitely. Uh, in fact, <clears throat> it is in, it is so common that, that the issues that people bring are so um, consistently <laughs> um, similar that. One of the things we often say, and, and of course, I ha- well, first of all, I have to say that <clears throat> we, we don't attempt to deal with people who have severe psychological issues. So our comments today would be directed to, um, you know, people just like us. And that's one of the things that I will often say to people is that uh, what we have to offer you is what the Lord has taught us in our own struggle, in our own lives, in our own marriage, uh, in, in relationships that we deal with. And we have something to share because of what God has shown us in our own lives. And of course, the reading, the research, the preparation, the training, all of that too. But it's what we have applied in our own lives. And because of that, we have something to share with others. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious about if you would be willing to share some of those particular commonalities that you, that you see that yeah. come up time and time again with, mm-hmm. with couples. What are the things that um, they tend to, to, to struggle with or what are the, th- the successes that are shared successes? Well, th- the place to start, I think, <clears throat> is the recognition that all of us, all of us, I can't be strong enough on that, mm-hmm. see life from our perspective. And fundamentally, we believe that our perspective is right. It comes straight out of the book of Judges. It was seen in the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve suddenly realized or believed that their insight was more important, was more relevant, was more um, useful to them than God's. And in the book of Judges says, the, in those days there was no king in Israel. That's kind of the theme of the book of Judges. In those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did that which was right in their own eyes. And that's what we all do. We do what we think is right, and our perspective is the most important one, and frankly, you're the problem. In hearing that, I also would say that we we take very seriously the kinds of things that people will say is at stake or is the dynamic in their relationship. So we will hear comments like, I don't feel heard. Um, I feel like he's insensitive. I don't feel like there's a balance in willingness to help in terms of what happens in our home. Um, I feel lonely. And so that is a personal perspective, yes, but we take that very seriously because those are the, the helpful clues then that allow us to talk about, you know, what, what is that trigger that you're responding to? What is it that you're really feeling and experiencing? And what do you then do with that? So, so there, there is commonality in that too. A lot, one of the, I would say one we hear quite a bit is that I just feel frustrated mm-hmm. and frustrated is a very frustrating word to deal with. So, uh, because it's kind of a general dumping ground for many other, um, maybe deeper feelings. And one of the things particularly related to that word frustrated is that many times, individuals have real issues going on, but they, they're not able to express what they're feeling. Uh, they don't, maybe they don't have the vocabulary. Maybe they have never had the experience of actually being able to express what they're thinking and feeling. And so the only thing they know to say is, I'm frustrated. 
and many times helping people to be able to <clears throat> own what they are feeling to even well first of all to even recognize mm-hmm. what they're feeling and then to own that as a as a true feeling that may be right um and maybe something that that expresses a real need that they have and that but that need is not getting met in a healthy way there there are um so many unhealthy ways of meeting legitimate needs that sometimes we begin to feel like the need is not valid but the need is always valid it's god given mm-hmm. the question is how do we meet that need so when thinking about needs what i think it's a really interesting and important comment to say that needs are i don't want to get you wrong but all all of our needs are valid but the way that we get them met is not valid is is that i, I, would I, say I think that might be God something given. i could see people hearing that and saying really are all of our needs valid so what what well, would be those needs? That's a and how really you, good question maybe, how for people to ask. Sure, need, sure. Right? and what are you? How are you? What are you talking about when you're talking about a need? Yeah. And one of the things that we use with that is that if a need is not met, it's it's harmful. It's not just uncomfortable. It's not just well, it would have been nice, but there's a there's a deep harm that happens to our souls often that 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 particular and obviously the need to be loved the need to be heard the need to be valued the need to be taken seriously there are many of those kinds of things but but in terms of uh, there are a lot of wants in our relationships too that don't always get addressed or taken care of exactly the way we think we would like them to be taken care of and that's something we have to to live with and there's forgiveness and there is um reconciliation and there's going on so anyway that's and and i would say about the wants uh, many times one of the things i've experienced is that we do have these wants and and we're not saying that wants are not legitimate because they can be very legitimate too Mm -hmm. needs however i believe are are god-given the wants are things that are legitimate can be legitimate but as we learn to express what it is we want, as we learn to say it in a way that that doesn't put the other person on defense, um, as we learn to ex- express that need in a healthy way, I, I'm sorry, that want in a healthy way, uh, many times the other person can respond in a very positive or learn how to respond in a very positive way that, that satisfies both the need and the want. And I think I have experienced that with Jane. I have uh, found that she can respond very positively to things I want if I am willing to be disciplined enough to express it in a way that is appropriate. (laughs) I like this, and I'm trying to, like, be more of a host here and not get advice for myself, but <laughs> um, oh, go ahead. Yeah, um, no, I th- I think that this is great. So we we you guys express some some common things, some common um, places of 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 struggle or strife in in um, relationships that you guys see pretty often. Um, are there things that you see um, or you see couples do well that would prevent some of the tension in the relationship to begin with? Is there stuff that they can do at the beginning before it gets to a place of extreme conflict or hurt um, that, w- that would be helpful? Cause I, to me, that seems like mm-hmm. where the goal would be is not to get, not that I don't think that your ministry is wonderful, but <laughs> Right. How about preventive care? <laughs> preventive right. care, yeah. yeah. In emergency. If it wasn't yeah. necessary. Yes. Right, yeah. exactly. Yes, and we love it when people, quote-unquote, graduate and don't come back for a while. Mm-hmm. But then a lot of times, six months later or whatever, people might call and say, you know, we kind of need a tune-up. We've sure. kind of gotten a little stale or whatever, and that's great. 
and then we'll talk again and but it always is yes i agree with ted it always is with that sense that oh my you know god has been gracious to us and we have we have tackled a growth path which is really important and i think that that attitude is Im- really important to um to have with a couple are they willing to or are they really willing to work together to work on their own individual stuff and then to be honest with each other and to bring things out into the light um i think there's one phrase that i i think has really been helpful to me to think about and it's it's the phrase a justifiable resentment and i think sometimes we can as we work with couples, we'll see something more than just a kind of a maybe lack of affection or a disaffect where it's like, yeah, we're kind of off here. But it's more, it's a deeper sort of root thing. And a lot of what is talked about is justifying the the root, mm-hmm. the root problem, the root feeling. And it becomes deeper. It becomes more of a resentment. And that's really something that's a that's a more challenging thing for someone to deal with and to face and honestly because I think it takes humility and it takes a sense of uh, ultimately that we are forgiven people. So I have to look at forgiveness of my partner um, and not hold them in such a position that whenever certain things might happen, I always see them as somebody who's against me or s- I mm. always see it as, yes, that, okay, there's that resentment again. Well, that's that's not going to go away until somehow you do something. And I don't think a lot of times it's even uh, an awareness of what needs to happen. Mm. It's just become f- familiar. It sounds like, I mean, it sounds like in thinking about maybe the Jackson's question of preventative care, but it sounds like at least an element of that is, I mean, self-awareness. You're talking mm-hmm. about even in a spiritual sense of being, being forgiven, being able to share forgiveness, but being aware of sort of how you're responding of your own resentment mm-hmm. of, um, I think this is Brene Brown language of because of sort of the stories you're telling yourself yes. and, and how you're reinforcing things. Absolutely. Um, and I, I wonder, I think self-awareness is one of those things that is maybe easy to talk about, but is sometimes hard to do. I mean, I, I, speaking personally, even sometimes I think I'm really, really self-aware, but then something will happen. I'll respond in a certain situation and be like, I have no idea why I was responding in that way. So, mm-hmm. um, so a is that is that correct that self awareness is important and then and then are there tools even for self awareness I mean yeah that, that I, are I, that are I, helpful yes. or that you encourage it, yeah and I, I want to even add start on I want to add to what Jane was saying by when Jackson asked about what are some preventive measures well I, <clears throat> I really think that that one of the things that we can all do as is we begin to sense tension in a relationship or uncomfortability, or something's off. Maybe we can't identify what it is, but something's off. And I think the most challenging thing we all face is to ask ourselves, what am I feeling? What's going on inside of me? It's very easy for me to tell you, the other party, what you're doing, Hmm. And what you're doing, how that makes me feel. Mm. But to say, stop, just a moment. What's going on inside of me? That was a really difficult thing for me. Mm. And it took me a long time. And frankly, I think it's a spiritual discipline of saying, you know, David Mm. said, search my heart, oh God, because he didn't know. And Mm. I didn't know. What's happening inside of me? I couldn't express what was happening inside of me. And over time, I, I came to realize what those emotions were. In my case, it, it, was, it was feeling um, abandoned, um, unvalued, devalued. Um, 
And like I was insignificant, I didn't matter. But it took me a long time to realize what was going on inside of me. And it's only once we begin to realize what's happening inside of us that then we can say, well, first of all, we can say, well, what's the need there beneath that? And and what's a legitimate way to get that need met? So I think the first step is, rec- is really beginning to ask, and if we need, ask God to show us what's happening inside of us, me. And then the second step, I would say, is that I had to learn to stop telling Jane what she was doing. We call those you messages. And come back and say what what's happening in me. That's an I message. I'm feeling ignored right now. Um, you know, rather than you're not listening. Or, yes, I am. I'm listening. No, I, okay, at this moment, I'm feeling ignored. Well, it, just a real practical, quick example here is one of the things I came to realize is that when, when Jane wasn't looking at me, I felt ignored. Mm-hmm. She could be listening. She might even be taking notes. She was listening. But if she wasn't looking at me, I felt, and so. And usually I, I was halfway out of the room with a laundry basket, throwing mm-hmm. my answer back over my shoulder. Right. And, and so then mm-hmm. I could become, and did, not could, I did become angry. Yeah. And, but once I became aware of that, then we were able to talk about it. And we were able to establish a habit pattern that, that, put her at ease because I wasn't accusing her and helped me to identify and respond in a, in a healthy way because there was a need there. And I sort of felt like, well, couldn't you just sort of get over that? <laughs> and uh, give me a break here. I got a lot to do. Yeah, yeah. I'm busy. So <laughs> I don't know if you have a, I have a, no, I, I, I do just, have a question related to that. Yeah. But yeah, no, go for it. Well, I, I guess... I, I think that that sort of can't you just get over it sometimes in a relationship maybe we feel I've felt this about myself I felt this probably about Hannah at times I don't think it's like good necessarily but like that feels like something that's not worth getting upset about right like and we yes. get upset about different things <laughs> yes. so I, I guess but one of my my question would be and from a Christian perspective and thinking about kind of sanctification and holiness and, and growth as people, um, are there things or how do you negotiate and navigate those things that speaking personally, like I do need to get over this. Like this is something that I don't like, I don't need to be upset right now. And so Hmm. I don't, and I don't need to like bring this up with you. I don't like, why does this, I can, I just, pray about this or so i guess kind of what's even what's god's role in this what is the role of my role what's what's my um you know wife's role like how and how do you kind of navigate those elements right yeah that's a great question and and very apropos i think um i would go back to that what ted said about the um awareness question um i I think that we should be as observant of ourselves as you guys are of your little kids. Hmm. You're not letting them touch hot things. You're not letting them ride, run around with pokey things that are going to stab them if they fall over, which they will fall over, yeah. as we <laughs> all know. Um, Most of the time we're not letting them run around with pokey and things. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's, it's maybe it's hypervigilance. But I do think we need to be observers of ourselves and that includes your physical body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My, my, the tension I feel in my chest, many people feel sick at their stomach, or there's something that is triggered even bodily. The body keeps the score as a book, mm. and it's worth reading. But, but it's something that as you observe it, you recognize, okay, something's going on here. Okay, I need to breathe. I need to do that kind of stuff. But but there's also something that's triggering a feeling, a response, maybe this resentment part we talked about. And what am I going to do with that? And one of the things I don't think is talked about too much, and I got this from a book written by Marilyn Bansell regarding the Enneagram, mm-hmm. 
And it, the second part uh, after observing is to welcome. And I thought, well, that's really interesting to, to welcome the feelings or even welcome the responses that you're having because they're part of the real. And I think honesty is an incredibly important, honesty and courage in this are incredibly important characteristics. But by welcoming those feelings, you, you're, you kind of get away from the idea of, oh, I shouldn't be feeling this way, or oh, this is wrong, oh, this is really unspiritual, or oh, my, 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 God will be so mad at me, or whatever. You, you kind of go, no, actually, it's there for a reason. It is, it's real, and I want to deal with that. And we have to say, too, that uh, truth is our friend, and that I believe God meets us when we face the truth, when we face what's really going on. And then I think we can deal with it. And I think, too, um, I think we're, yes, we are called to probably forgive more than we do. And there are certain times when um, I'll think to myself exactly what you said, Dan. Is this worth getting upset about? And then what's the alternative? Well, I forgive Ted for, for that. It, it felt didn't feel great, but I don't think he meant to hurt me, so I, c- I can move on. But if that doesn't deal with it, if that still remains, if it mm. still is something that's eating at you or, or you sense it's causing a rift or it's eff- affecting emotional connection, then it needs to be talked about mm. and brought into the light and brought into relationship. Isn't that the challenge of a seven, though? It's like we have to sit with that feeling. <laughs> yeah. The way that I, uh, we so, don't like that. Yeah. Uh, no, we don't. We like it to be over quickly. Over quickly. And Either let's just, ignore let's just it. Look at it half or, full, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Or push I know. through it right I know, then. Yes. And often we'll often uh, many many. Cu- I don't know what your wife is, Jackson, but many couples are sevens and ones are attracted to each other. <laughs> it's a little bit of a. She yeah. identifies as a nine. Okay. And I. I'm not so sure. Okay. She's close to one. I always, uh, I know you're not supposed to type somebody, right. but I typed yeah. her as a six. But mm. ah, okay. she does, she is in the gut triad. Yeah. So I guess that That's is where one. it puts yeah, yeah. her right. a nine. I bet you she's a nine wing one for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Could be. That would not surprise that's me. Yeah. I am Jackson. That's why we get along so well. Yeah. That's why you guys get along so well, right? Well, hey, if I could come back to Dan's question for just a second. Sure. One of the things that I have, you talked about praying and, you know, as a Christian, what's our, where's God involved in all this? Yeah. And again, see, I, I tend to think that these are, these are spiritual disciplines. They don't get talked about as spiritual disciplines, but I believe they are. Because I know that in my own life, when when those things have come up, again, this is about self-awareness, about, oh, I am feeling that way. I know where that's coming from now because I've paid attention to it. Mm-hmm. And I realize that that feeling comes from a real place in my past, but it's not justified in this moment. Mm-hmm. And therefore, like Jane said, I, I need to forgive her or I need to ignore it. Uh, I need to not ignore it in the sense that it didn't happen. No, let it pass. But that's a, right. That's right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Let it pass. In other words, because I realize this is something that's going on within me. Mm-hmm. She didn't cause it. She didn't do it. And I don't have to solve and it. And she's not responsible Thank for you. it. I'm responsible for my behavior, for my attitude, for my response. Um, yeah, otherwise you go codependent, and that doesn't help anybody. No, exactly. So mm-hmm. where is God in that? I think God is at the place where we say, I need your help, God, to do this consistently. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not convinced that we can do it without the help of God to make the decision. It's a decision. It's a fraction of a second. We have to make a decision mm-hmm. to act one way or act another way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to realize that part of one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. We can't control the other person. We control ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that is that is part of being a separate individual in the relationship. Because we we need to have the wisdom to recognize what what is ours to help support and bear the burden 
but what is each individual's um, backpack of responsibilities mm-hmm. that we're not to pick up? Mm-hmm. There's that too. Well, yeah. and I just I think that this really ties into um, Dan and, and Ted your your talk on parenting and why it's important mm-hmm. for parents to allow their children to become individuals and mm-hmm. to yep. to mm-hmm. um, I, I just I just see it so much in middle schoolers and then as they grow in, into high schoolers and then they get to college and they don't know who they are, which, and that's part of growing up. You don't sure. know who you are. You're, yeah. you're exploring that. And I, I get that, but it seems that then the natural reaction to them is to find somebody who helps define them and they just leap right into codependence yes. in a relationship. Yeah. Right. yeah. And then you're kind of just, mm-hmm setting yourself up for um some problems in the future so um anyway i just and some personalities lend in themselves more to that yeah to take i mean to classically the nine and the two would be the ones who would take on um kind of the chameleon go to bat for others more Mm -hmm. than themselves even Yeah. yeah oh you had something else to say, Jackson. Oh, I you don't had know. Something else you know, to say, my thoughts, they go in my brain and then they immediately <laughs> escape out the other <laughs> side. So Catch them. Catch them quick. Well, I, what, was I, that helpful for, for the questions that you've asked and what we've reflected on? Is there something you want to, you know, is there something that needs a tagline or what? Or are we good? You know, I just, my note that I made here is I hope you guys copyrighted the term iMessage so that you guys can oh. uh, reap some rewards. <laughs> That's on out that. there, yeah. That's out there. I think we got that from somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, speaking of uh, copying other people, um, legitimately, we, because so many of us struggle with being able to identify what we're feeling. And we, we weren't raised with a vocabulary to even do that. One of the things I love about um, our daughter, Heather, and her husband in working with our grandkids, uh, Oliver, Emma, and Everett, is that they're teaching them the vocabulary of emotion. Hmm. And Because they're both therapists. <laughs> yeah, they're both therapists. <laughs> so we have, we have prepared a, a, a list of soul words, which actually... Hmm came from Myland and Kay Yurkovich, and we have added to it and, and uh, enhanced it, I, I believe. But it's, it's really their origin, so I give them credit. But, um, you know, if, if anybody wanted to contact you, and, and we'd be happy to make that available, because I, I think, I really do believe that, that this is an area where we can very practically help uh, there must be this. When we say soul word, we're talking S O U L. Yeah, right, I think right, you right. You got right. that right. But I mean, Ted used to have. We laminated them, and Ted had one is in his truck. We had it on the fridge. Hmm. Fortunately, I mean, unfortunately, this was probably after Dan. You were out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't start soon enough. <laughs> but you're doing it's all fine. Right. It's all right. um, yeah. Well, I needed that though. But I needed it, help to learn to. It, to, it increases your vocabulary. To be able to identify yeah. what I was feeling. Yeah. I didn't so know what I was feeling. And, and I find that to be... you tend to use angry or frustrated. Yeah, That's, and I yeah. find that to be one of the most common things we... You talked about commonality. Yeah. One of the most common things we experience is that people, when we really push them, they'll say, I don't know what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. And they're huh. telling the truth. Well, that's yeah. interesting because I've had conversations with Steve Wilson, who, guest of the podcast, um, mm-hmm. and he's... He's said before in in talking to other people in the office or even talking to myself that that stereotypically men they express all of their emotions in either anger or frustration or mm. happiness. So it's like mm-hmm. kind of basic yeah. three yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, three emotions: happiness, anger, and frustration. Yeah. And really, we're feeling sadness or melancholy or you know there's kind melancholy. of lots there's of melancholy something yeah. below the <laughs> surface sure yeah well and if i could jump in yeah. jackson for just a moment typically the stereotype is that women can identify i mean we're it's, it's ironic that we're so gender specific and <laughs> sometimes in our thinking about this but i found that to be totally bogus <laughs> yeah, um, it, it our really... experience is that that 
men and women are equally incapable of identifying what's really going on inside of them. It's not a gender issue. It's a human issue. Yeah, mm-hmm. and if it is the reactive anger, frustration kind of thing, then we just say, well, that those are those are secondary emotions, but there's something underneath those. There's something more primary that you probably are feeling that you need to be able to observe and name. Mm. And that's where the soul words have come in and been really, really... Uh, helpful to people, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. We're not meant to figure it all out ourselves. We got to yeah. get. We got to have tools. We yeah, I don't think you can do this alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a question about kind of we talked about commonalities and and things, but I wonder if there are particular areas of relationship that seem to be struggles that you find the refrain coming up over and over again in a particular mm-hmm. um, area or. Um, piece of the relationship maybe it's work-life balance or money or just to kind of think of a few well kids or time with in-laws fatigue or... yeah well and you know the, I think the... fatigue is a big one mm. and emotional is that, is that related to emotional fatigue or energy yeah you know resources reserves um managing your reserves yeah it, it will in probably everyone or m- many people would at least know that in counseling that the typical top five things that people bring up are, you know, sex, money, in-laws, children, and work. And those are the, but see, the the thing that I hope we've emphasized today is that those are the surface issues. Mm -hmm. They really are. Because behind money or sex or children, you know, parenting styles, there's really people the, the the commonalities are i don't feel heard i don't feel valued um i i i feel like i'm being taken advantage of you know those are the, oh, the underneath underneath the the bad. others are the the stories that we're telling about mm-hmm. money or about kids or about sex but underneath that is the the real core issue of of i'm hurting and what usually, when we actually get to talking through that more, it's more like, okay, we're functioning okay. Yeah. We're doing okay on that functional level of doing things or even being companions. But the emotional connection, it's almost something that it's hard to describe sometimes when people are talking about it. But they they feel like something's missing. You know, I segue here to something that happened to us years ago, which I've never, it's impacted me greatly. And, <clears throat> you know, we function well. I mean, we we get to church. I'm the pastor, for crying out loud. Um, you know, we look good publicly. But one day something happened. We had some tension in the relationship. I don't even remember what it was now. But I was down in my office, and you came down, Jane, and you... you oh, right. We were talking, and I turned to leave because... Are we thinking about the same story? And I think so. I turned to leave, and then I thought, nope, okay, yep. wait, I'm learning something new now. And you turned I around. I to turn back. Yep, you turned around, and you knelt down or got down on my level because I was sitting at my desk in my chair, and you said... Do you remember what you said? I said... Um, wait, I'm think. feeling my heart is hard toward you yeah and I don't like that but I don't know what to do about it and that took a lot of courage it was scary for me to say that and I I started crying it, it broke my <laughs> even now I can hardly talk I was about really it. <laughs> I was really surprised yeah. because I you're realized not a, you're not a sober I mean, <laughs> see th- there's there's an I message hmm. my heart is hardening toward you right now and it's interesting i've i've shared that with other women and i more than more than not they will tell me oh my goodness that's that really is exactly how i feel but see when she did that all of a sudden here's the key i begin to feel the impact of my behavior and i and 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 see she wasn't telling me all the things i'm doing right she wasn't guilting me 
but I felt, and I, I literally started crying, and I yeah. even talking about it right now. <laughs> yeah, very no, emotional. We'll never yeah. forget that. That was really no. a big, big deal. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a, and interestingly, by the way, not by the way, interesting to the point is that many times since that breakthrough, we have said to one another, "I'm feeling that hardness again," or "I'm feeling." Mm. I'm feeling distance. Well, yeah, I'm feeling distance between us. Mm-hmm. And that's really opened the door to many, many times. You talk about preventive, that's preventive. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling distance right now. What's going on? Now that didn't happen in a vacuum. We had been going to counseling. Oh, and yeah. we've been working hard on our relationship right. and exactly. being honest and being um, yeah, brave. Mm-hmm. And so. and you said, see there again though, you said, Where's God in this? She was walking out the door, mm. and I believe the Spirit spoke to yep. her, and she responded. Just don't do it the old way. Do it the yep. new way. Mm-hmm. That's God at work in our lives. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. And we yeah. need Amen. to acknowledge that and know that. Yeah. yeah. And and the the incredible support and presence of the Holy Spirit is there that brings us to life instead of death. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for being vulnerable about that yeah. we yeah. i think that that our listeners are going to get a lot out of even just that particular story just yeah, because good. of good. Uh, be your true. vulnerability yeah. so yeah. thank you yeah mm-hmm. and it leads me i don't know how much how much time we have but I, I do have one question sort of related to that story just because dad you let it off by talking about being a pastor and being at church and such but i have found even in my time here at the church, that sometimes it feels like we as the pastors are the last people to hear about marital strife or relationship issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we often um, don't hear about it until there's a divorce going on or until mm-hmm. there's a separation exactly. or until mm-hmm. things are really... And, and, and I think that we've probably experienced this too, Jackson, with, with other issues where when, when there is a a place of challenge in people's lives. And I still think there's, there's that hurdle to get over sometimes of, well, the church is not the place to take that. Mm -hmm. The church is the place Mm -hmm. to put on my happy face Mm -hmm. and it's the place to put on my suit and it's the place to put on my best Christian. Right. Right. Yeah. Sadly. (laughs) So I I wonder, maybe this is, this is asking probably personal (laughs) advice, but um, have you seen a church engage with people well we have counselors we have people like you and that's really really important but have you seen the church address these issues in a healthy way or how might the church do that because i because i i think that so often it is sort of parachurch organizations or it's it's you guys or it's heather and and it's counselors right um and and people don't bring that to church or you know how 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 does how does even a small group become a place where this can be talked about, or is that appropriate, or does it need to happen in the kind of that one on one with quote unquote professionals, or what what might you say to that? My first thought is that you know it was a number of years ago we did a relationship w- remodel workshop, and I I can't help but believe that it would be. Um, it, it could be a good thing to bring people together to raise these issues and to have an opportunity for breakout groups or talking or, or, or you know, peppering someone with questions or being able to have interaction. I mean, there's it kind of to kind of clear the air and say this is totally what we should be talking about at the church. I mean, we're at the church, but but let's. You know, how can we make this something that is um, working in our lives? And and I call it knowing and being known. I, that's part of the the purpose of, of that kind of thing. And I think a lot of times we have Bible studies, we have prayer groups, we have other things going on, but um, but not necessarily specifically for maybe some of the the hidden areas, the areas that are hard to just bring up in a small group where you... Or it's a little bit embarrassing or scary, and it's like, am I the only one that's dealing with this? Um, 
you know, to be able to counter those kinds of things. Yeah, if if we could answer that question, Dan, um, we could solve 90% of the church's problems. Because <laughs> my answer would be no. I don't know. I know of very few churches, if any, that are yeah, great at that. I, so, so but, but it's something we desperately need to be working toward and all of us working together to and I and I one of the things I think and I would say this Dan to you and to Jackson is that the more you men and your wives can become transparent and vulnerable you set the example and I and I I tend to think that if if you know if, if there was something I could go back and do from 30 years ago as a pastor I, I think I would want to be more transparent, and I would want to to share in my teaching and my preaching uh, more of what God was teaching me in the moment. More of your story. Yeah, more of my story. So to to normalize it, mm-hmm. to make it accessible, that that <clears throat> you know we we say we say all the right words that we are sinners. We're, we're at, you know, the church is, is sinners gathered together to experience the redeeming life of Christ. But we kind of don't act like that. We, we well, kinda, what does that really mean? Yeah. And, and now, having said that, I also want to say that many of the things that have happened in each of our lives are very personal, very private. I mean, addictions would come to mind quickly. I mean, how many of us want to admit our addictions or to expose ourselves to public scrutiny because we're having great difficulty in our parenting? Mm. I mean, yeah, that's hard. And, and, And I want to acknowledge that and not gloss over it. But, but, so where do we find those places with safe people? I think we have to look for safe people that we can be open with and and acknowledge that um, we're struggling. And that may be very, very small groups. I, Jackson, you mentioned what Steve Wilson has talked about, and, 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 I, and I think he's right. I'm not disagreeing with him, with him at all. But most men only have one or two or at most three close friends. Well, okay, so who are my three close friends that I can be honest with? And as pastors, are those friends, is it possible for those friends to be part of the church? Or do you need to look outside of that for that kind of safety? That's a question that only you folks yeah, can decide. Yeah, I yeah. think that it's to some to, to some that. extent it depends on how large the church is. Jackson, are you noticing how they're lumping you into the realm of pastors? <laughs> you just got promoted. church leaders. Church <laughs> Thank leaders. Thank you for that distinction. Yes, you bet. <laughs> I have a little. I have a little. Uh, I, I have a little t- from time to time push on Jackson. <laughs> okay. Pastor to youth ministries. <laughs> but I'm, I'm pushing it no more. No, I, I appreciate you pushing me, Dan, but uh, it's not your voice I listen to. So. Good, 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 good. There you go. Okay. When you hear my voice coinciding with the Spirit, uh, then, <laughs> then, then we know then you that... you got uh, something there. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's sort of another... That could be a whole other conversation. Well, there's like... I've made notes of like several other oh, conversations to have with okay. you guys. Um, but I, I do kind of want to... Um, wrap this up and I say wrap this up it's a loose term about 10 more minutes yeah. I guess of of kind of tying it back to some some practicals or at least something that I, th- I think that our listeners can kind of grab onto mm-hmm. a, a little bit of well we we have listeners from all different life stages so we have some um, some college students we've got some um uh newlyweds we've got people you know in in their their 20s their 30s their 40s you know all different life stages you know that are that are listening so i kind of wanted to just do like a a quick if you could give one piece of advice to someone who's in this life stage in their relationships what would that be and go through a couple different life stages Hmm. okay We'll see. Do it. Sounds All right. great. Wow. That's, All right. That's, wow, that's, that's, that's creative good. approach. Yeah. All right. So, so Jane, you're on. 
<laughs> what yeah, would be sure. your one piece of advice that you would give to those who are dating pursuing marriage? Oh boy, that's So not little... not married yet, but they're yeah. dating. That, no, I would want 6 months with that couple. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you got one you got one, <laughs> one paragraph. <laughs> Give us a call and have six months of. <laughs> yeah, that's my advice. Call, yeah, right. fly to Washington State. <laughs> Take right. four days. There you go. I, I, I'm thinking of something, but Jane, do you want to go first? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to be real honest, no. I I would encourage that couple to talk as honestly as possible about their family of origin the strengths and the weaknesses of their family of origin to each other to to, to each other Talking yes talk each with other. each other about this is the home i grew up in here are the things that i i feel that i have benefited from that home or the things that i would don't want to repeat uh because the things that we say we don't want to repeat are the things that we do repeat and so as we talk about those we can say okay so this is where i'm at now but if as as we come together in marriage how can we work together so that i don't repeat those things and if they're heading toward marriage and they have a hard time with that conversation then they need to get help yeah they do they need to talk to somebody else about it i I would say for that premarital couple the family of origin is the most important issue they'll talk about Here's a kind of a different question on that. At at what point in the relationship mm-hmm. do you kind of start having those conversations? Because I know a lot of times when we talk about premarital, mm-hmm. in especially in the church, you don't enter into your premarital counseling until yes. you are engaged. Right. And, and it's like, that seems too late. Yeah. Huge because mistake. when you're engaged, then you're planning a wedding. Yeah, right. And right. you're all yep. excited yep. about what's coming. But premarital ought to be called on, pre-engagement counseling. Yeah, there you go. It really should be. I, Boy, yeah. Yeah, totally. don't get me I going agree. on that. Mm-hmm. We'll be here no one wants hour. to hear it. No one, wants to hear, <laughs> no one wants to hear anything by the time they're engaged. No, that's no true. right. Just, exactly. just stamp my passport and get me on with it. Yeah, especially if you have a short engagement plan. Right. Which you should. Sorry. Yes. That's my oh, opinion. Totally. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Totally, yeah. We totally yeah. agree we're with that, agreed. too. No, we're, yeah. all, yes, Jackson. we're all for that. Right. right. Totally. Yeah. Yep. So pre-engagement Do the counts. work before you get engaged. Yeah. Jane, Next do you question? have anything to oh. add on yeah, that, or do you want to field the next? A real, I can't remember who wrote it, but there's a really good book, book called How to Avoid Marrying a Jerk. Ooh. I think that's a good title. <laughs> Sounds and that's like a actually, book. That's actually a really decent book. Um I think it might be written by a Catholic priest. I'm not sure. But anyway, good one. Yeah, we like Catholics. Yeah. 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 We do right. too. Read, so <laughs> get that book. This is an ecumenical recording. Yeah. Too, yeah. <laughs> good. Okay. Next age group. All right. Moving along. Newlywed. So been married in their first year, two, three. Something kind of in, okay. in that stage. Mm, friendships. What's that? Mm. Explain. Yeah, they need more. to be developing friendships, safe, close friendships that are meaningful to them. That are not each other, right? That are not just each other, okay. right? Mm-hmm. And I think they need friendships on an individual level and a couple level. Mm-hmm. But with the with you know the maturing friendships that where they care about one another and they're in seeing each other go. Cause that's, those are the years probably you may not have kids yet. You're, you're, you know, enjoying one another. Well, and, and having a wonderful time. And, but I think that the friendships there are really, yeah, that's good. Important. I, I think that, and, and that's positive. I'm going to say something that's more toward the negative or deals with the negative, And that is that, in the vast majority of marital conflicts that we have worked with over the years, and there have been many, the problem started during engagement and the first year of marriage. Mm-hmm. And I would, my challenge to those couples would be that in your first year, your first two, three years of marriage, 
where there's tension, get help quickly. I wish we had known. Because I think it's less. I think it's less common for that tension to be there. I would say the next eight, the next stage up is where the tension really starts to, to come well, in yeah, when kids are at it and all that. But right, I right. Think, so if there is tension in that first year, yes, because it, it just exacerbates. It gets important. worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by the time the kids are in high school, you know, you're starting to think about can we l- divorce? You've got the resentment. But it started back mm-hmm. in the courting and the engagement and the and the first years of marriage and boy that's just over and over again and and I think even in our own marriage Jane and I would say that if if we had known if we could have had the help it in the first established some better it, yeah patterns. we had some very bad habits and we didn't know it and but we could have saved ourselves years and years of pain and 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 frankly, done a better job of parenting. But it's interesting because when you actually say that during those early years, we were traveling, we were having a wonderful time, no kids. But there were tensions. Well, probably on the emotional level. Well, of course. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I'm talking about. <laughs> right. And yeah. so we need, to, we need to be aware of those, sensitive to those, and, and when they come up, get help. Yeah. And then going to the next stage of yep. having kids and, you know, getting kids into school and all that, that's when the the busyness of life and the the drain on resources and all of that is pro- provides for some interesting um, dynamics, too. And again, that's having having close people that you're accountable to is really important at that at those stages. And again, um, it's wonderful if you have friends, some friends who are, I mean, Dan, I know you have some guy buddies that are not at the church, but mm-hmm. that you've known for your whole life practically, or yeah. at least from college. And those guys know you well. And, and I would really encourage you guys to foster those kinds of relationships because that's where the the accountability can come from. And you know, it, uh, our best intentions are still there, but they're not adequate to deal with mm-hmm. it. Yeah, it's interesting. I have a couple of friends, one from seventh grade and another from my first ministry, Len Sanukin, who have been confidants for me, well, obviously to this day. And... I've needed those men at times to speak into my life and to help me. And by the way, I've been able to speak into their lives mm. when they've gone through some some very, very difficult issues. So we've needed each other. And yes, I would agree with you that that but it value those safe friendships, those deep friendships, in especially during those child it's easy to let those things slide during those years. Because you are so busy. But again, I like to use the term spiritual disciplines. These Mm -hmm. are disciplines that enable us to live the life that God has called us to. Therefore, I think it's a spiritual discipline. Right. And one more question for that level where you guys are entering into and easily getting toward is that you can ask one another, what do you need from me? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Good and I'm making a note. That's probably <laughs> yeah. I would say if you want something practical yeah. at every especially age level, especially if you well, especially if you sense uh, kind of resistance or tension, I think that that question itself is it's not a trick question. It's not meant to, you know, box somebody into a corner and say, "Well, I don't know. What do I need?" It's really it's really to help you know that 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 expressing our need is something that we need to be better at so that the other person recognizes whether they can or can't help to meet that need. Mm-hmm. And we don't always have to say, oh, yes, I'll do that, because we can't sometimes. Sometimes we can't. All right, yeah. listeners, can stop it right now. Rewind. Go back. Listen to that again, because <laughs> that's gold. <laughs> and, and, and let me add to the gold. Yes. Don't, don't reword the question. Just what do you need from me? Hmm. I, one of the biggest mistakes we can make, I think, is to think, oh, now I have to figure out a nice way to say that. 
Or try to figure or, out maybe if I really do know the answer. You let the other person yeah, just mm. express What it do you need from me? It may surprise don't you get, what don't they get, say. Yeah. <laughs> don't get eloquent. Don't get sophisticated. Yeah. That's Be humble. I, I don't usually have that problem. So. <laughs> <laughs> here, here. Oh, okay. Um, last life stage that I'll ask you about, and we'll just, it's a, it's a kind of a lumping in of quite a large stage of life, but just empty nesting. Ooh, travel, friendships, <laughs> <laughs> more disposable income. What, what was no, the I mean, those are. Those the are the question was, what's the one thing we would, what's the one piece of advice, yeah, piece piece of advice, of advice we'd give right. to those people? Oh, I know. Invest your money in relationships. Get, make sure you see your grandkids. Make sure <laughs> that you spend time with your family. Make sure that you do whatever is necessary. Don't go off spending your children's inheritance, but make it, make it relational. That's, yeah, I think I think for empty nesters, uh, the, the question that most people have really is, you know, you get to that point in life and you start to ask, what impact have I had, and what impact can I have in these next years of life, and and that can be a very frightening question, because many times we recognize that we come up short in our answer, and and so. Again, I think that's an area where we really need to ask the Lord to, to help us to think through what is the impact that I can have, that I want to have, and what's it going to take to make that impact. So investing in relationships. Well, and, I, and I really do think money is a huge part of that. I do. Because I think a lot of times I, it's sort of how much, it's not how much do we give, it's how much can we keep and what can we do with money so that it's it's multiplying ministry yeah. how can kingdom? we maximize yeah. the resources mm-hmm. the lord has entrusted to us i say for the kingdom yeah. because it may be within the family it may be outside the family right. i don't really care it it but i think too often we think when we you know if we say travel we think about we think about what what can i do for myself right mm-hmm. And boy, I think the moment we get to the empty nesters, it's it's okay now. I have I have brought my family to the point where they have left, and now what else can I do? How can I expand the ministry and the resources that God's given me, the talents God's given me? What can I do for God's kingdom, right beyond my family? Yeah. But, but I also leave my enthusiastic travel on the table. Well, of course, <laughs> <laughs> to come see the grandkids. Yeah, yeah, no, well, just to travel. Well, That's in this right. case, to see Edmund. Yeah. We're not really here to see you and I know. Him. I know. <laughs> oh, ha, ha. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we invited you so that we could get a weekend away. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that worked well. It was great. We loved it. We loved it. That was special. Well, this, well, has, been, this yeah. has been great. Okay. Yeah. Thanks so much for being willing to kind of spontaneously... Come on the, really, the podcast. Really and fun. Oh, I love it. Some really questions fun. and yeah. And I anticipate some more episodes. Good with the Hutchinsons. Yeah, and, we'd yeah, love what, that. What you got. We would. Yeah, be great. Thank you. Do you guys have any final words? I'll I'll leave you the stage if you <laughs> if you want to say anything else. Oh boy. My I might final? edit you out, but... Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> we'll start the music playing. Over here. Yeah, right, start the music. Come on, Eric. Um, I think my final word would be to forgive ourselves and to give ourselves... Um, recognize that it's a journey. God is at work in our lives, and I believe we will be growing in Christ until the day we're with Him in person. So... You know, I accept the failures of the past and press. What, what did Paul say? I press on mm-hmm. toward the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Well, yeah, that's it. Let's press on. Let's move forward. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, listeners, and uh, uh, stay tuned for some, some more episodes and some more guests that we have uh, in the works. Thanks again to Eric for lending us some some music some outro music thanks dan 
Yeah. Thank Thanks you, Jackson. To your parents. This was this was phenomenal. This was great. And we will talk at you later. Talk at you later. Yeah. What'd you guys think? Really well. Yeah, well. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun. That was great. I, you know, you always wonder if you said.